Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia. And it feels like the day has arrived where Major League Baseball uh, announces, uh, their commissioner announces that they are working toward an agreement. A lot of the national reporters believe that there is an agreement in place to play the 2020 season. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you once again. And we've been waiting for this for months. (laughs) <laughs> and we're finally here. We are finally here over the next 24, 48 hours. We're going to have all the details spread out for you on our show and all the other shows right here on Sports Grid. I know that you're watching primarily this show for baseball discussion, and we certainly are going to give it to you. It was a tough thing uh, to go through, but my, <laughs> predict- my, my prediction on that end remains the same. I think that we'll look back on this and we won't care once the games begin. But as I told everybody in the country two days ago on Twitter that this was going to get worked out and it got basically worked out within 24 hours. So we'll start off with that on the show, Joe. I'm finally happy that we can start to put this behind us. You look lighter. I mean, just take a good look at Craig Mish. Can we get like the ISO on Craig Mish? Because he seems lighter. He looks as though, um, you know, that thing where like the parents have the kids finally move out of the house. It's like, when is Billy going to get a job and finally you know get some responsibility? And then he does. And then Craig's got his, you know, Billy's room now. He can turn it into a gym. And he's so excited. You can see it. You can sense it in him. All this waiting, all this back and forth. Uh, look, I, I am happy. I would like to have baseball back. Everybody knows that. Uh, I also like the idea of less regular season baseball and more playoffs and all of that. And, and I am somebody who's a big proponent of that. And I'm hoping at some point, maybe down the road in a few years, we get more towards that. But let's live in the now. In the now, it seems like we have at least... Uh, the concept of baseball coming back in theory. And that is a very good thing. And Craig Mish, I, I hope you've checked in on Gray Albright. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, Cause this Friday, this Friday is going to be lit. Let me tell you, man, that's the one you don't want to miss that one with Craig and gray. Finally, after every Friday telling you, oh, I think baseball will be back. Yeah. Yeah. That's been uh, it's like April. Right. It has. It's been, I gotta, I gotta go back and check on uh, Twitter. All the people who uh, struck me down uh, two days ago when I said, That's baseball right. and every single and one of them, you should quote tweet. It's, it's, just, it's, it's but again, it, it, when you're right uh, on there, nobody cares. And when you're wrong, um, you know, they certainly want to crush you and that's perfectly fine. But I will say this. Uh, and I will and I will give those of you who are watching a little bit of a piece of advice, whether it's anybody watching at home uh, on your phone, whether you're watching on Zumo, Pluto, uh, Stir, you're watching on the Roku app, maybe you're listening on Fantasy Sports Radio. Be happy that there is a season of any kind coming back, please. Um, you're getting ridiculous <laughs> argue, arguing over it's not long enough. 60 games? Like, I mean, are are you serious? Like, would you rather have nothing? Do you want to watch Bundesliga soccer and and the and no offense to the KBO and the KB and the Korean baseball organization for the next two months? Oh, it's not. I mean, what are you saying at this point? We've had no live sports from any of the major sports for three months, and this isn't good enough for you. You have issues with your own life. Take care of them and let us enjoy the baseball. I know this season's going to be ridiculous. I know that it's going to be like a season we've never seen before. That'd and be probably great. won't matter, but who cares? It could we be have great. Games. We have games on the 18th, 19th, 20th of July, whenever it begins. We have things to talk about in sports. There are people that count on baseball for their livelihood. And guess what? We're kind of one of them with no sports. What do we sit here and talk to you guys about? This day in fantasy sports and birthdays for the rest of our lives? We want sports back. Think of yourself. We've been great with all of that. I mean, we have been, I think, the model citizens of how to fill great content here every day for two hours, talking sports without sports. Uh, It's become an art form. But there's a part of me that wanted to just see for, you know, just for curiosity, morbid curiosity at that 
how far we could go before the oh, break. Oh, come on. Where God. would Craig you're, Baseball You're only a month into this. You're only a month into this. <laughs> hey, no, I'm six weeks into it now, buddy. I was here May 1st. Six oh, I'm God. six. I'm officially, as of yesterday, six weeks into this I'm bad in boy. 12, I'm 12 weeks into you're this. You're 12. You're in the 12th step of this program. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't a once a week diamond bet show, my friend. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, well, that's, let me tell you something. At least you could talk about other sports. On Diamond Bets, Matt Stryker and I, every week we get together and it's two hours of just baseball. That's not the easiest thing either. I, so. I, I understand. Listen, first of all, I, I will never complain because I'm very fortunate to have a job. And Sports Grid uh, certainly has, has taken care of me in every step of the way I can possibly imagine. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, but that's not to say that uh, I am Jewish and we do complain every once in a while. And so... <laughs> Um, that, that is part of who I am and what I do, but I do tend to keep it real for you. And so, um, look, certainly I never had any, well, I take it back. I did have some doubts that baseball would come back, but as of yesterday's show, when we were on here and I, and I pretty emphatically told you that there was going to be a baseball season at that, no one's texting me voluntarily telling me it's going to happen without it happening. I don't, I don't say things for the sake of saying them. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong in the future, but on that one, I, 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 no, you, it, it, you said it. And I, I knew I was going to say it, and, and, and I knew I was going to be right because I don't take chances like that with my career, and, and I don't put stuff out that I don't think to be true. Um, while they're working out the details of, of a season— and Tomorrow's the details. Today's just the hot take. We're feelings. just happy that we're, we're sort of back, and we're happy, and you should be happy that baseball— if you don't like baseball, fine, then go watch football. It's cool. But if you do like baseball and you're complaining about the length of the season, like seriously, like you Craig's really gonna put you in timeout. Let me tell you, he is serious. And I, I am the biggest baseball purist of all time. And you I, are. Could care, I could care if there's ten games. I don't care. I just want some baseball on. Oh, man, uh, this has been great. I'll now I know what it's like to be one of your kids because I basically sat there and the whole the scolding of the imaginary people who are complaining in your head. I know it's like to be in trouble in the Mish House now. I, like, I almost, I not, but I don't go after people like that. I, I feel like thing, I'm gonna get sent to bed without dinner. Watching the show, this is gonna be the most fascinating two months that you've ever had because I'm gonna be one of the few reporters that's gonna be allowed to cover a major league baseball team that's on a TV show doing this. So, um, I'll, I'll, I don't know exactly the details of it yet, but I certainly will, uh, will update everyone out there as to how I'm doing it and what I'm doing. And I'm not gonna do any traveling, but. Um, I'm hopeful that I'll be uh, able to uh, cover all of the, the games in Miami. Um, speaking of which, I have to ask this question because I have a ton of respect for our government and a ton of respect for everybody that is in charge. And I've, walked, I've watched Anthony Fauci on television and thought that he was a very calming influence. And I know that from political points of view, people have gone back and forth and I'm not getting, I'm not going into that. Uh, but I do not understand what he said yesterday, and I'm hoping that there's some clarification coming in the future because it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, now that we know that the baseball season is coming back and essentially will end at the end of September, Fauci is basically warning that the season should end sooner and not play into October. Joe, I'm going to ask you this question because I honestly don't know. How does this make any sense whatsoever? The NFL hypothetically, is going to be doing the same exact thing. Do, do you think that there was just a, a misstep and he honestly forgot that the NBA or the, the NFL is going to be going on at the no, same time? No, I think, I think he's also not thinking properly as, you know, we're talking about leagues and things like that. As baseball goes on to in October, you have less teams. You have less players. You have less exposure. The NFL is once They'll a week. They'll be having less teams than the NFL at that point. Abs the NFL well, exactly. will be having four right, teams. Right, but the NFL is, more... but, but, but one is every day. One is once but a week. Joe, there'll be more traveling on the NFL side you're, than there will be on the yes, baseball side at that time. You're right. There will be more traveling. But again, the containment and the ability to contain things is much easier for a team and a team at one point in time to play each other than there is for every day back and forth. The exposure it's level. It's not every day back and forth. The season will have been over. Well, the baseball the, season the, the will have been over. will still be going on. And the there'll be still every day. Well, travel. that's what I mean. I, th I think he it didn't makes think... no sense. Please don't try and justify that. I'm not trying to justify, but he's not wrong in the sense that he's not wrong in the sense. I think he forgot about the flu. I'm just saying, I don't think he's wrong in the sense that scientifically speaking, things like the flu, things like COVID will come back again in the fall. But the question is, how far has it gone through the population by then? And how dangerous is it? And how advanced have the treatments gotten at that point in time? So there's a lot more questions there. And obviously, I'm. Um, I am not a scientist, nor do I play one on this channel, but uh, I think it's important to listen to the scientists, but I don't think he I do too, but I don't think that made any saying. sense. 
It made no sense whatsoever to me. I, I, I went back and I and I read every single thing about it, and I was waiting for someone. Maybe maybe that's the problem is that no reporter asked about the NFL. But that's the first question that I would have said is what about football? And at that point, I, I don't know what his answer would have been. Now I don't know if there's any you know separate agenda to make sure that football comes back or not or whatever. I, I have no idea. And Joe, not to mention college football. There's 150 schools and kids traveling all over the country, and so. You know, I hate to just like smack you around a little bit, but it, it makes no sense. I mean, there's more there's more traveling going on in college football than there ever will have been in Major League Baseball, and it won't even be close between the NFL and between college football. You got planes flying all over the. Country. I don't know. Maybe you should invite him on the show and ask him yourself. Let's get him on. I, I'm sure I, he's got nothing again, going I, on. I, look, I know I hate to rip the guy. You know, it's not what I want to do. And again, I I've illustrated how, uh, especially in the early part of this, watching. Uh, him on television was part of my daily regime, uh, routine, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But, but, and this isn't in defense of baseball at all. Like maybe he is right. Like maybe that should be the case. But what about the other sports in October? In I don't know, man. And maybe Fauci's not a big football guy and he wasn't even thinking about it. I, don't I know. think that's true. I maybe think that's you, I think is. that is the answer. I think if you, you know, he's a New York guy, and you, well, we did talk yesterday about the average age being fifty-seven. So I'm sure Dr. Fauci is a little older than that, which means he's probably a bigger baseball guy than a football guy when you look demographically. Maybe he just didn't realize it, Craig. And if that's the case, that is really sad, man. That is really, really sad. Look, it's let's focus on the positive. Position. Let's 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 theoretically well, the positive is, we're is that back. we're going to have all these new teams in the postseason and in baseball, you're going to have teams that are going to be shocking 60 games. The Marlins are going to win the World Series. I mean, crazy things are going to happen this year. Marlins are gonna, can we get a can we get a stamp on Pirates, that? Pirates are going to be in the playoffs. They're not going to be in the playoffs. Giants, <laughs> Either Giants are going to win. The Giants are I'm not going to be. You, crazy things are going to happen this year. I don't know. Games? You know what? I told you I've been games? doing the I've been doing the research. We did 2019, and you, you of course, were able to say the Washington Nationals, look what they did, and they did. I went back to 2018, and when we have time on the show another day, we'll go look at 2018. It's going to shock you through 60 games how much the playoff picture pretty much was the playoff picture. Like 75% of it was the same. And if I keep going back to 17 and 60 and I keep going, okay, here's I what don't we're know, gonna man. Do. If we're I gonna, keep doing we're gonna, this, we're going to do this. It, we're going to have this. Well, no, 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 no. It's not what you've proved in the past. It's what you can do in the future. What I, what we're going to do here on this show, and I'm not going to do it, is I'm going to is we're going to go through all the teams that that, I, that they they announced they're going to be in the postseason. I think it's going to be 16 or something like that, whatever the number is. And we're going to see. You're going to tell me how many you think that you can guess, and we're okay. going to see if we can nail that number. Awesome. Let's do it. I'm game. I'm always. I'm a good time friend here. Let's do it. I'm. I'm in. I make good television here on Sports Grid. All right. Coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays. We're back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Craig and Joe with you here on Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Great to be back with you here on this Thursday. We've got a lot to get to here this day in fantasy sports history, this day in fantasy sports. Birthdays, Joe, you ready to roll through it all? I am ready. Someday we'll stop doing this, but today is not that day. No, let's very soon. Going. Very soon, perhaps. Maybe a month from now. Maybe yeah. one month exactly from now. Could be. But You're going to be uh, sad for- when it's over, aren't you? Tell the truth. Uh, I will. I will not be sad. I will be. I will be very. I will be very happy that sports is back with us all across the board. At that point, that it will give us a lot more to discuss. I feel like we've accomplished a lot in terms of content here on the show, keeping you people entertained. But let let's be honest. Retro sports and simulation sports and what used to happen and the way things are. That was fun for a month, and it was kind of fun for two months. And we are now in the third month, and we're about to hit the fourth month. So. I'd like to have something uh, real out there. And, well, uh, and, you know, but and, what about all those August birthdays? Those poor people born in August, 
in the sports world who will never get their moment to shine. On we'll do show. a whole new show just on birthdays, just birthdays. and and, okay. and yeah, well we can we can do that another time, awesome. but at least I would say probably another month. But uh, either way, let's uh, <laughs> let's check out what happened in this day in fantasy sports history for June the 18th. We'll start off in 1960. Arnold Palmer. Uh, this is around the time the U.S. Open usually is in the month of June, and Arnold Palmer was actually seven strokes behind going into the final day behind, guess who, of course, Jack Nicholas. and Jack Nicholas won this many times. In fact, won the U.S. Open two other times on this date. This was certainly one that uh, was one of the bigger ones. No, absolutely. I mean, when you look at uh, the majors, he won seven of them. Uh, he won the Masters itself four times, too. That's pretty incredible. Uh, look, it's one of those great careers in golf, for sure. They nicknamed him the King for a reason. And uh, I kind of do remember my youth seeing him, you know, out there on the senior tour. I remember Arnold Palmer, and it was just feeling like this legendary figure when he come out to the right. golf course. And we talked about this before. I kind of missed that that senior tour thing. It was fun to watch those old legends play golf, and they had lots of personalities there. And I, I kind of missed that. I wish they would kind of, I don't know, spark that up a little bit. I think John Daly was playing on that senior tour not that long ago. I'm not sure if he still is, but uh, I'd like yeah, to see a little really bit more sure. of that. And uh, how many guys have a drink named after him? I know I don't. Do Very you, true. Craig? Very true. Yeah, I've got the mish. All right, 1977, Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin have a big fight in the dugout for everyone to see. And this was just the beginning of what would be a very tumultuous relationship with Reggie and Billy Martin. But certainly, uh, in the end, they worked it out, and the Yankees did win the World Series with both of them. So uh, this this did sort of uh, get itself together. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, all, all baseball, like, you know, it's people say, well, winning cures everything, right? Well, I, I guess it kind of does in a certain way. But uh, Billy Martin, one of the numerous times back and forth as manager of this team, and this was one of those moments, you know, you bring in this big star, and he's not living up to what your expectation as the manager is, and who's the bigger deal? Is it the star getting paid the millions of dollars, or is it the manager? Uh, and this was one of those crazy Bronx Zoo moments, and this is one of those few teams that won despite Seem to have lots of internal conflicts. Munson and Reggie Jackson, Billy Martin and Reggie, some other guys on that team didn't always get along. So I, I guess, you know, when we look back at certain teams, most teams tend to get along and win, and maybe winning makes you get along better. But there are those teams once in a while that kind of fight with each other and then fight everybody else and succeed. And I think that 70s Yankees team in the late 70s is one of them. Yep. Uh, two th uh, 1986, excuse me, Don Sutton, one of the great underrated pitchers of all time, uh, wins his 300th Major League game, a uh, Baseball Hall of Fame Braves broadcaster as well. Uh, one of the more underrated pitchers in my mind. Yeah, also a, a one of the, um, well, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's always been a lot of rumors. I'm not sure for this 300th win for that specific one. Did they give him an emery board or something like that? Because there was always a lot of discussion about Don Sutton and scuffing the baseball or uh, manipulating the baseball or, you know, just kind of cutting the edges, so to speak. So I guess the world will never know, but uh, there's always been those rumors around Don Sutton. But one thing's for sure, the man did pitch for a very long time and 300 wins is no joke. It's not something we're going to see very much of in modern day baseball. In fact, we probably saw our last 300 game winner a few years ago. It's probably it now. Yep, could be true. Uh, okay, let's move on to 2013, Joe. And this is one that really sticks into my mind for sure. Uh, Ray Allen, uh, with only a few seconds left in the game, uh, ends up hitting a three-point shot with almost no time left on the clock. It was just uh, a crazy three-point shot because the Heat had previously missed a shot uh, in Game 6. The narrative with this is that the, uh, they, the NBA told the staff in Miami to bring out the barriers that would stop all the pit players from running on the court because the Spurs had won the championship. But, of course, uh, uh, the shot was missed. Chris Bosh knocks the ball out to Ray Allen. Ray Allen hits the three. They go to overtime. They win. And then the Heat wins the championship in Game 7. Uh, the biggest shot in the Heat's history, I would say, also one of the biggest shots of that decade for sure. Yeah, Ray Allen had some great moments in his career. You know, we kind of look back at the Ray Allen career, and maybe he's not the first name that comes to mind in that era, you know, during the Kobe's and into the LeBron age and things like that. But, you know, when you look back at the career of Ray Allen, it's pretty good, those years he had with the Celtics as well. Also, how many guys star in a film? He got game. Remember Jesus Shuttlesworth? I mean, sure. I remember that uh, movie. And uh, it's kind of tough when you think about, like, you're you're playing a superstar basketball player in a movie it's got a lot of hype to live up to when you might be a superstar basketball player. And he actually did live up to the hype. I think you can look back on Ray Allen's career with uh, quite a lot of reverence. And this was certainly 
one of, if not the biggest moment in it. Yeah, a, a, a Hall of Famer, by the way. Absolutely. That that didn't. It was one of the few Hall of Famers that we could say, "Who do you really associate with him for a team?" But it didn't matter because he was just that good. And that's one of the few that you would say that about because certainly he started off. Mm. Uh, Milwaukee right. and Seattle and then the Celtics and then the Heat. And you I always say, say Celtic he, in my head. I'm not sure what comes to mind for you. I don't, I don't, I think he was better with the two previous teams that he played with. I guess I just think of that trio together with Paul Pierce and Garnett. I, I, I don't know why when I think Ray Allen, that's where my mind automatically goes. Maybe it's because of the finals runs, but I mean, it's he, I mean, he doesn't think that way. I mean, he doesn't acknowledge that. He thinks it's the heat. But I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like he was a buck. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he and the Celtics are on sort of bad terms, um, as, as it turns out at the end. But uh, strange, strange ending for him. But no question. He was just too good to not be a Hall of Famer. Didn't matter. He played on a million teams. Uh, 2015, Clayton Kershaw no hits the Rockies and he strikes out 15 in the process. And with the news that we're hearing about baseball, certainly happy to uh, hopefully see Clayton Kershaw on the mound very soon. So we'll end with that there in 2015. Now let's go over to this day in fantasy sports birthdays for June the 18th. And we'll start off in 1939. And we'll start off here, uh, Joe, with Lou Brock, who for many, many years I've had an opportunity to see. In the last few years, of course, he's had some health issues, so he hasn't been able to come. Uh, but one of the great storytellers of all time. Before there was Ricky Henderson, there was Lou Brock. It was such an ill-fated trade that the Cubs mm. sent him over to the Cardinals, and he becomes one of the greatest steel guys of all time. Also, 3,000 hits. He played a very long career. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, I, I may not get to see Lou Brock anymore because I know he's had a, you know, a lot of serious health issues, unfortunately, for him. But uh, supposedly he was in good spirits as of last year and wish him a happy birthday today. Yeah, happy birthday to Lou Brock, one of the great ball players of all time. Incredibly important to those Cardinals teams, obviously in the 60s especially. And, uh, you know, before Ricky Henderson, that was the guy, the best leadoff guy you could find. And this was is, it. I guess, this is the poster boy for not making trades in your division to a rival, right? <laughs> you know, you're not going to be Man, the that Cubs. was just a disaster. Who and and the by the way, he was great as a Cub. I don't know, but he was a great Cub. I, mean, I, I thought you might know, but I can't remember who that deal was for now. And now I'm going to have to go look it up while you do the next one, because it, it seems like it, it's kind of important. The fact that we can't name who that person is, that kind of tells you all you need to know about that trade, yeah, I guess. Strange, strange deal. Uh, back to baseball. We go in 1961, the big cat, Andres Galarraga, great Montreal Expo, mm -hmm. Atlanta Brave, Colorado Rocky, of course, uh, born in 1961, a player that gets forgotten quite a bit, I would say. Uh, 1966, Sandy Alomar Jr. It's interesting to think that when uh, Sandy and his brother Roberto were coming up in the big leagues, a lot of people thought Sandy would have been the better player. But when you look back on it now, they both had great careers. And in particular, Sandy Alomar Jr. played 20 big league seasons. And wow. that's not something that people, um, you know, certainly would have guessed. Um, 1963, one of the greatest defensive ends of all time for the Buffalo Bills. Another Hall of Famer on our list today. We got Bruce Smith. Uh, ended with the Redskins, too, I should mention. 1975, let's throw some credit to the offensive lineman. He was in front of Peyton Manning for, I don't know, 12 years, 15 years. It feels like a million years. Jeff Saturday, now a good broadcaster on television. And then uh, 1980, a lot of people feel that Antonio Gates, in a, in a few years, is headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And by the way, people think he is a first ballot Hall of mm. Famer, one of the great tight ends that we have seen play. And uh, certainly, I would agree with that, too. So that's uh, that's our Hall of Fame list here for today. We got uh, Lou Brock, Bruce Smith, maybe Antonio Gates. This Hall of yeah, Famers. Yeah, good ones, man. This is a good day. Sometimes we're struggling with some of these, but not today. Antonio Gates, I think, definitely is a Hall of Famer, certainly a fancy Hall of Famer as well. Uh, fascinating story, too. A guy who converted over to football later in his athletic career mm -hmm. and obviously went on to do great things there with Philip Rivers and company with the Chargers, both in San Diego. And then I think at the very, did he, did he hang on for that last year that they were in LA? I can't remember that first year there. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And they might've, I, I, I know he left and then he, he came left. Back. He came back. And that's Somebody what I'm thinking. Got, maybe of. it was Hunter Henry when he got hurt. He came back. Was that that's what, what I thought too. And I thought that they had already moved to LA by then. I could be wrong about that. Bruce Smith. I don't know. He's a great and, guy. As a kid, I remember Bruce Smith being just 
the it when it came to pass rushing. Like I was a huge fan of that Buffalo Bills team. They were so much fun to watch. And uh, Bruce Smith was a big reason why just an enormous guy and so fast and so quick to the quarterback. And uh, there's a reason why he's the all-time sack leader. That's for sure. Uh, Galarraga and Alomar, two great names in baseball. I did find the name, by the way, who was traded for Lou Brock. And as soon as I saw it, I went, oh, that's right. And I think you'll do the same thing. Ernie Brolio. How about that? Do you remember that name? No? Yes? Mm, I know who he is, but yeah, not really. it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah pitcher. Uh, and I know some teams get desperate for pitching sometimes, but ooh, Lou Brock for the next 20 years, having to watch him as a Cardinal if you're a Cubs fan, that is, that's not cool, man. That ain't good at all. Galarraga is another interesting guy who had some great moments with the Rockies, great moments with the Expos, some moments with Atlanta. When I say Galarraga, what comes to your mind? Definitely Expos. Definitely Expos, yeah. but but I will say that he was good uh, as a Brave, but he was part of that group in Colorado that oh. just put up massive, massive numbers. And, um, you know, I, I think a pretty underrated player, and I'm glad that, you know, the one thing that I could say about this uh, when we do the birthdays and we do this day in sports is it brings me back to remember, you know, there are some guys who just sort of get forgotten about how good they were. And Galarraga is definitely on a list of players that we never talk about at all. And and really put up good numbers over the course of his career. I think he was a pretty good defender too at first base. So he was uh, in the early definitely. in his career for sure, and a big clubhouse guy too. I know everybody was always talked about the leadership of him. All right, uh, with that, we'll take a brief time out. We certainly will continue our discussion about the 2020 baseball season and what is to come here on Fantasy Sports today. We have it all covered for you. We got more coming up right here on Sports Grid on FST. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid, and also don't forget coming up a little bit later. Scott Farrell going coast to coast. Make sure you tune into his show later right here on SportsGrid and on SportsGrid Radio. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia here, and Craig Mish is so excited about baseball that he had to kind of get himself outside and take a walk and calm down a little bit, which gives us time here on Sports Grid to talk a little fantasy football. I know that's what you really want to talk about because it's June, it's almost July, and we all know that's our fantasy football prep time. So we're going to talk about some of these guys in a new series that I like to call early draft, late round targets, because these are guys on every single team. And we're going to start today with the AFC East of some guys that I think are going so late that you might as well take a dart throw because every single season, there are always these guys that kind of come out of nowhere or players that are kind of left to the side. And sometimes for good reason, sometimes there's some diamonds in the rough and I want to find those diamonds. I want to shine them up real nice. I want to give them to you so you can put them in your championship ring. That's what I want to do. That's a pretty metaphor I just made. It's almost like I planned it, but I didn't. But let's talk about it a little bit here, and let's go through our first team, and let's start with the New England Patriots. So this offense right now, from a fantasy perspective, look, I understand there's a lot of people that are really not too excited about the Pats offense. They've got a young quarterback now that nobody knows what they're going to get out of, and to be frank, the only guy people still trust is Julian Edelman and maybe James White, and that's kind of a maybe. But I think the New England Patriots are not done yet. I think Jared Stidham actually is going to be better than some people realize. Is he going to beat Tom Brady? No, no one's going to beat Tom Brady. But I do think he can make a couple players useful. And the first one I think he could make useful is Nikhil Harry. Now, Nikhil Harry was hurt last year. Things did not work out well in year one for him. And you know what? Maybe there's a little bit of Tom Brady being frustrated of having to groom so many different people and new people into an offense. And maybe it wasn't a good scenario. Maybe, just maybe, Nikhil Harry having a young quarterback who is trying just like Nikhil Harry to make a name for himself will actually benefit Nikhil Harry's development. Because most people will say, even though last year was not a great wide receiver class, 
it was indeed uh, Nikhil Harry who was the most complete, quote unquote, wide receiver of that group. So I think when you're trying to look at Nikhil Harry and trying to evaluate him for this year, you say, okay, rookie season was not good. We all know that. But he did show some glimpses down the stretch, and that's something to build on. Right now, he's going in round 11. So basically, he is a bench wide receiver. We're talking a wide receiver five here. We're talking a guy that maybe on some bye weeks you might get into play. But in deeper leagues, this is a name that somebody's got to catch the football in the wide receiving core besides Julian Edelman. So looking at what they have there, you know what? Mohamed Sanu, to me, looked like somebody who was basically kind of done last year by the time he came over to the Patriots, unfortunately. And I'm not looking for too much for him. I think Nikhil Harry's kind of in a make-or-break situation this year. And I'm willing to take a shot on him at around 11 value. There's another guy on this team, too, that I'm willing to take a shot on even later, and that's Damian Harris in round 13. Now, Harris, everybody knows, had a good college career, actually also played with Jared Stidham when they were kids. So lots of Pop Warner leagues together. So these two go way, way back in terms of running back and quarterback tandem. And I think with the Sony Michelle foot injury or surgery or maintenance, whatever you want to call it, there's always reason for concern when you get to Sony Michelle. And I think what you want to do is hedge your bets because the one thing the Patriots do want to do is run the football. Whenever you have a young quarterback, the best thing you do is support them with a running game. And I do think they're going to do that. That means a lot of James White. That means Sony Michelle, if healthy. But again, he's been hurt in college. He's been hurt in the pros. Now he's having some maintenance foot issues, things going on. I don't like any of that. And at 13th round value, I like Damian Harris. Why not take a shot? What's the worst that could happen, right? Three weeks into the season, Sony Michelle looks like an all-star. You cut him, right? But he becomes a very significant potential handcuff to Sony Michelle because he comes so cheap so late. Why not take a shot? Again, the Patriots this year are going to play defense, run the football, and then take some shots when they have those shots available passing the ball. So if you're looking for some late-round values from the Patriots, those are two names to keep in mind. The next guys on this list are from the Buffalo Bills. Now, I am a Devin Singletary believer. I know there's a lot of people in the fantasy community who want to argue with me, and that's fine. I'm always up for an argument. We all know Joey P will get into a scuffle now and again. However, Zach Moss is definitely a talent worth being aware of. I think Zach Moss is going to be hurt by the lack of OTAs, the lack of reps that he's going to receive in this COVID offseason. I think that's the best thing we can possibly call it. So now that when you take that under consideration, I'm looking at Zach Moss in a round 14 value, and I say, okay, if Devin Singletary gets hurt again, like he did last year, because that is true, if Devin Singletary maybe doesn't perform or Devin Singletary isn't the goal line back, which we all know last year he was not, it was Frank Gore, and we all know Josh Allen's going to take some of those away. I do think there's going to be a shift, though, eventually where they're going to have to pull back just a little bit more on Josh Allen to keep him healthy. I understand he's been a guy who's been running amok and all that, and that's great for fantasy league owners. I'm expecting him to run amok this year but maybe just a tad less. And if that's the case, I think there's at least some room for Zach Moss in standard leagues where the touchdown matters more, where he might be a decent flex play some weeks. Now, look, I don't think Zach Moss is going to get a ton of volume in this offense. I just don't see it. But he can make up for that lack of volume with the touchdown upside, and that's something to keep in mind. His teammate, Cole Beasley, on this team is kind of the forgotten man. If you're in a very deep PPR, I understand Diggs is there now. I understand that John Brown was very good last year. I get it. But Cole Beasley is still the slot wide receiver. And Cole Beasley is still a guy that I think has potential to get you double-digit points every single week as a slot wide receiver in a full-point PPR. In a standard league, I wouldn't touch him. In a half PPR, it would have to be a 14-16 to 16 team league for me to get even get interested. But I think in a 12-team or 14-team PPR format – Cole Beasley was basically going undrafted right now is somebody to keep in mind because although it's very alluring to have the idea of Brown and Diggs and all these guys, right? Everybody's going to be worried about guarding them and stopping them from going down the field. So what does that leave? It leaves the middle of the field and the tight end position is nothing to write home about there. So Cole Beasley still owns that middle of the field. So I would keep a close eye on him again, not a big ceiling, but I think a decent floor on a weekly basis. Let's move on to the next one here. And let's talk about the Miami dolphins. Now, the Dolphins are definitely a team in transition. And last year, Brian Flores really kind of showed you that they are, you know, making some strides. And I think that is very important. The, they showed you that they were fighting a little bit. It was very strange because the more they got ridden jettisoned players, the, the better the team started to play, which is usually not the case. Usually you don't get rid of uh, great players like Fitzpatrick, move them on to the Steelers, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you're, you're winning games towards the end of the year. 
But yet, here we are, and it happened. Now, they brought in some support for the running game, obviously, uh, with Howard. And Howard's probably going to be, at least in the beginning of the season, the main featured back, however you want to call it. However, I think Jordan Howard, as we say in the industry, is just a guy still. And if he is still just a guy who is serviceable, then there's opportunity for somebody to supplant him. And Jordan Howard is probably not the greatest pass catcher in the world either. Can he do it? Yes. Is he a guy you want doing it? Not so much. But Matt Breida can do all of those things. Matt Breida had some really good moments for the 49ers last year on that run to the Super Bowl. And when you go back and you look at some of the game log, you look at some of the opportunity he got, the problem is Matt Breida was in a spot where a lot of hot hands, a lot of going out for this guy, and it's Kevin Coleman now, it's not Kevin Coleman, okay, now it's going to be uh, Raheem Mostert, and then it's going to be Breida. And they keep going back and forth between all of these different guys. And I think when you take a look at that, and you realize if Matt Breida gets an opportunity or should Jordan Howard, God forbid, suffer an injury, Matt Breida all of a sudden becomes the number one with, I don't think, a challenger. Uh, don't, don't tell me about Kalen Balaj. I don't want to hear about that. What I want to hear about and what I want to see is more Matt Breida catching the football. And I want to see him catching the football, running the football. I think he can do all of those things. So when I'm looking for some value in round eight, where I'm looking for, I don't know, a fourth running back on my roster, I think Matt Breida has a lot more upside than people realize. And I think when you're considering that, you have to look at situation. You have to look for players who are undervalued. And I think he's also one of these players, when you consider Matt Breida, that he hasn't gotten a full opportunity yet. And sometimes those guys don't get opportunities for a reason. And other times, it's just the circumstances don't give them. Perhaps, perhaps in 2020, those circumstances might change. And perhaps you just might get a little bit more Matt Breida than you bargained for. And at round eight, that would be a bargain. Let's move on with the rest of the guys on the Dolphins here that I think are good late round picks. Preston Williams, round 11. Now, Preston Williams at one point in time, a lot of people don't realize, but was leading the league, in, uh, the, the team, excuse me, in targets. When you keep leading your team in targets, that's something that I, I want to pay attention to. Devontae Parker was the story. He was the guy. But Preston Williams, I think, is an opportunity, if he stays healthy, to be a very good PPR wide receiver. He does not have the ceiling of Devontae Parker. I don't think he's going to score 10 touchdowns this year. But I do think this is a guy that could catch 75 to 80 balls potentially, and that is nothing to turn your nose up at. So at round 11, give me him. And speaking of the reason why I might be bullish on him, it's Tua Tagovailoa. And because Tua, I understand your single quarterback leagues is irrelevant in redraft, but in Superflex, he might be more relevant than you realize. And here's why. Because Tua, what we learned about him over his years in Alabama is he is a competitor. He is going to do everything he can to play as many football games as he possibly can. We know this about him. That's the kind of guy he is. And I'm telling you right now, there's a good chance he plays six to eight games this year. Everyone thinks I'm nuts. That's okay. I'm used to it. But I'm telling you right now, if you're looking for a quarterback, if you have, let's say, a third quarterback slot in a super flex, I don't think two is a bad investment, especially if your quarterbacks have late buys. We're talking week eight, week 10. There's some opportunity where Tua might be able to fill one of those buy slots for you. And let me tell you something. I think Tua is going to make the most of the weapons he's got. All right, let's finish up with the Jets here. And uh, look, somebody's got to catch the ball here. I know people are excited about Mims. I know Crowder had some good moments last year. But let's take a hard look at Brashard Perryman, who had some moments last season and finds himself in a position after years and years of kind of bouncing around to finally show what kind of wide receiver he is. Maybe, just maybe, this is exactly where he needs to be. Maybe, just maybe, Brashad Perryman could end up as the Jets' number one target. I still think it's going to be Le'Veon Bell leading this team in receptions, but that's neither here nor there. What we're looking for here is value. Round 14, now that's a value. I like the value of round 14. It cost me nothing to find out. Again, if there's no chemistry there, I cut him. Doesn't make a difference to me. And you move on to the next guy on the waiver wire. But around 14, if you can get a guy who could be a flex wide receiver in a PPR, hey, that works for me. And the other guy I got my eye on is Ryan Griffin. And again, this is a tight end. This is more Scott Fishbowl. This is more tight end premium leagues where you're looking for two tight ends in, in our roster where you have that kind of situation. I always look for young quarterbacks and their tight ends because they tend to check down. They tend to look for that safety valve. And typically those are the guys. And Ryan Griffin has shown some uh, some moments in his career. Now, the problem is in Houston, they didn't really utilize the tight end very much. Now he has the opportunity to do that. And I think that's very exciting. So Ryan Griffin, Rashad Perryman on the Jets, Matt Breida, Preston Williams, Tua on the Dolphins, Zach Moss, Cole Beasley on the Bills, Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris 
Those are the guys in the AFC East that I've got my eye on, and you should too. When we come back, we'll get Craig Mish back in here and talk some more sports right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Get on the grid and stay on it. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Much more on the Major League Baseball season and how you should be approaching it from a fantasy perspective coming up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned to that. Uh, I've attended uh, Disney World in Florida at least 30 times, maybe more, honestly. It may be more. Um, I've stayed at a lot of the hotels that the players are going to be staying at. So I actually can speak with a lot of experience there. Um Craig Mish has stolen more towels and lotions. I have, I have. I have. I more I, hotels. The, the, uh, they, they're at, there's actually um, a hotel called the Beach Club, which we preferred oh. over the Yacht Club. Uh, but I have stayed at both. I've stayed at the Beach Club. I've stayed at the Yacht Club. When they had the Major League Baseball draft, all of the uh, players and all of the representatives stayed at the Grand Floridian. So I'm very familiar with that one as well. And the reason why we bring this up is because uh, the NBA basically has announced where all the players are going to be staying in their sort of bubble. Uh, now, I will say this. I'm aware of the Yacht Club. I'm aware of the Beach Club. I'm aware of all of those you know, sort of hotels, uh, the Grand Floridian. And it's maybe because I haven't been in a year or two that I don't recall the Grand Destino. I, I don't know where that is or what that is. And I have a very strong familiarity with Central Florida and with that area, now I will say this, the last couple of times we've gone, we have not stayed on the property um, because we wanted to do other things. The kids were getting a little bit older and just doing Disney for five days was too much. So we went around and did some other things too. But uh, it's funny that like when I heard the hotel names, I'm like, wow, okay. Like that's very, very familiar with those hotels. Well, I, I mean, 30 times, man. You're wow. That's a I lot mean, of times. I, I, it's probably more, man. It's a lot probably, of times it's small world. Let me tell you. At 30. Yeah. yeah. Oh, small world. Oh, 50 I times maybe I've been on that. One yeah. in Florida. That's what you do. I guess that's like in Jersey. That's what you do, man. People have goes. annual passes to go there. Well, hey, look, if I lived in Florida, I'd probably have an annual pass to Universal or something like that because uh, I like, see, that's the thing. I always like the Universal Studios stuff more than Disney. Like I, Magic Kingdom makes my head hurt. Like I, I, everyone is on wheels, no matter how old they are. I feel like everybody's That's got, a very fair point. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't and, get that one at all. You're I don't right. get everybody's on wheels like and i and if i'm gonna go back to walk i'm gonna get on wheels myself i'm gonna get get on something but no matter how old you are if you're three or if you're 83 you're on wheels there and there's no room to move and it's and you can buy the fast pass and still wait online for three hours i don't understand how that works oh i got some good i got some good stuff with that oh you got the extra fast pass that's your hookups there yeah you want to see me in the back i got all the wristbands you want you want these wristbands you want those wristbands what do you want but look of course i have one right here I, I have zero doubt that you do. That there's I do a not whole, have a magic You band pull the drawer and they just explode from if the drawer. If it was in the house, I could probably pull one out. But, no, but look, man, I mean, I think the NBA always has seemed to have a good grasp of what they're trying to achieve. And granted, it's a little easier because they're trying to achieve a, basically a postseason, right? I mean, that's what they're trying to that's achieve. And cool. and every couple of weeks, you're getting rid of more teams and you're having less teams and less players. So theoretically, as this as it drags on, it gets easier. Am I right? Like in theory, this should be something that if you attack it properly right away, as this as the postseason goes on, you are losing teams, losing players, therefore less chances of contamination, less people getting sick, less all you know, all that less people on each other. I think that's just they have that going for them. And I think that's something right now that Major League Baseball doesn't. Major League Baseball is trying to get a regular season in first. You know, the NBA is looking at starting big and then scaling back. We've sure. got to re-ramp everything up to 100% for MLB, and that's a that's a big difference of where these two sports are right now. Yeah, I, I think so. And by the way, uh, I know that other channels and other uh, stations have done the breakdowns of the hotels 
I don't think that you guys would find that interesting. We, but we will make mention of it. <laughs> I want to see. Like, here's where they're staying. Here's where they're yeah, staying. We did, the whole where missions. we did the baseball cards. I want to see you. Like I said, I want to see the. I got shampoos. my my graded cards by the way. Like, we could have done. I forget. I keep forgetting. Well, we today was a that. big day. Maybe tomorrow. It was. It was a big day. It today's was a, a lot. Day. Today's things um, happening. The other the like other part of it is that all the family members have to wear magic bands um, when they're around at the resort. That's another part of the. Uh, NBA equation, but I, I think that the point that you're making is is the fairest one, is that, look, I mean, the whole goal here is eventually to get to that postseason. Essentially, the eight regular season games is sort of a preseason. I know it isn't for some of the teams that are trying to get in there at the end. I get that. But very quickly, two, one team is going to lose two games in a row, and they're going to be eliminated, and they're still <laughs> going to have to play the last six games. Uh, the other thing that we heard was really interesting, and I don't think this is going to happen, but worth mentioning that Kyrie Irving, Joe, said that he would uh, once in a Brooklyn Nets chat or something said that he want you know, why don't we start our own league? And I was like, whoa, that's, that's a new one for me. Like, so instead of do, going to Disney world, what do they go? Disneyland. And everyone that's goes right. to Disney world versus Disneyland. You go to Wally play. world. You go to Wally world. If it's open, I don't know if John Candy is no longer with us, unfortunately, but he was the only security guard they had. Uh, according to the film that I can recall, it was just one man security team. Uh, but it seems like Wally World would be the best place for them to go. I mean, hey, you know, it's 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 funny you say that because I feel like there was like Trevor Bauer was kind of popping around that idea too of hey, let's all just get together and play baseball and see what happens, right, man? Like it's this, you know, it's this players' tribune. It's this we control our own uh, our own social media and our own things. Like we don't need the media, we don't need a league. We're the stars, and we're gonna pick up. It's kind of what happened in wrestling. AEW is on TV now, and that is basically the idea. It's like, we don't need WWE. We can take us, we are the product, and we're going to put us all together on a TV show, and we're going to make it work. And they said, oh, you couldn't sell out a $10,000 building. Guess what? A 10,000-person building. Guess what? They sold it out right. in two hours, okay? And you know what? That first pay-per-view led to AEW, which is now on Turner. So who's to say that a bunch of players couldn't get together and start their own league and make money on it? Because we Maybe are so. in a very unique time here in the world of sports, in the world of television, in the world of the internet, I'm not going to say never. I mean, anything's possible at this point. It is. Uh, we'll see uh, how that one plays out. My guess <laughs> is that they. My guess is they have an NBA season, but uh, I'm, not think, ruling, I'm not ruling anything out in this world. Uh, well, yesterday on the show, you can go back and watch on demand on our YouTube channel. Joe and I went through the possibilities of Colin Kaepernick potentially signing. There's been some news a little bit and some update on that. Uh, it was interesting that Gil Brandt, uh, who's been covering the NFL and is now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, tweeted out yesterday that the Chargers do make some sense in terms of uh, Kaepernick's landing spot. Uh, Joe, I did not think that that was uh, a good landing spot for him, and so that kind of slipped by me a little bit. I just thought that, look, you have Tyrod Taylor leading the charge. You already have somebody looking over his shoulder in, uh, in Herbert. I, I mean, I guess if, if Kaepernick just didn't really have any interest in playing and just being on a roster— That'd be a good spot for him. I, I thought better of him. I, I thought not better of him. I thought better for him <laughs> that he could be in a better spot and he could play maybe on one of the teams that I mentioned. So what did you think about the comments of the coach? Yeah, it was kind of surprising. You and I both thought L.A., but wrong L.A. We were both thinking the Rams might be an intriguing one potentially. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I think I think we both agree that the city of Los Angeles uh, would embrace it. And I think that was kind of the caveat. That was where I was coming from with all of this, where it's not enough to just think of the organization. Like you've got to think of also the city population and and how supportive will the fan base be? Because no matter what happens, there's going to be people who are upset about Colin Kaepernick getting a shot. Again, what, you know how many people get invites to camps in the NFL? Hey, of go course. look at some of the names of the guys that you know are never going to make a roster who get invites to camp. There's nothing wrong with somebody giving an invite of Colin Kaepernick to camp. It's not the end of the universe. Stop crying and whining, all right? Enough. I mean, it's just crazy to me that people would have a cow about him getting an invite to a freaking training camp. But I think it is a city like Atlanta. I think it is a city potentially that has a large African-American population that would be more conducive and better suited to take on whatever controversy it ends up being. And at this point, I'm not sure what kind of controversy it is. I think the NFL laughs at people. They laugh publicly at anybody who says... I'm not going to watch the NFL anymore because they signed so-and-so. Yeah, right. Okay, they're really worried. There's going to be a giant boycott. The NFL is going to stop playing because you don't like Colin Kaepernick and his politics. I mean, it's madness to me. The NFL is healthier than almost any other business in this country. 
Okay. So outside of Amazon is the NFL. And I don't know if there, what's in between there, Craig, you might know better than I, but I think we're pretty much at the, at the peak, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to stop using Amazon anytime soon. I don't think anyone's going to stop watching NFL soon. And if they do good for them, go somewhere else. And I don't think college has become a safe place for it either, because as we saw this week, with Oklahoma, it seems like there's, this is going through all sports, not just on the professional level. Yeah, no, I, I I think that it transcends it, and certainly there's going to be people up in arms about everything, and they certainly have the right to protest or not participate in viewing, uh, watching, listening to NBA leagues, and that's their uh, own uh, preference. Uh, Keith Smith reported also yesterday, Joe, that the NBA is going to attempt uh, to have the teams play in the time zones that they're in, mm-hmm. and that does make some sense from a TV perspective, yes. I would guess. That's really the main reason for this, because you certainly... Um, you know, you don't want Portland uh, at the very, you know, playing their play, their eight game play on play in games, uh, you know, at, at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to guess. Yeah. Uh, look, we, we touched on a lot of good stuff yesterday. You, I, I think that's definitely the right call. Um, you know, and I, I want to, you know, move on to the next thing, but I, I part of me can't because I, I just have to follow up on yesterday because we had a big discussion about the Oklahoma coach and then he came out and he had an apology. What did you think of his apology? Uh, with Mike Gundy's yeah. Uh, apology, um, yeah, it was awkward. It seemed a little weird a with little him and, and Chuba Hubbard <laughs> in the room. Yeah, no, it didn't seem uh, didn't seem all that genuine, to be honest with you. But look, I mean, Chuba Hubbard is the player, and he's the one with the issue. And so, you know, clearly, if he thinks it's okay, then that that's enough for me. But I agree. There you go. That, I think you nailed it, man. I think that's exa- if it's good enough for him, then it should be good enough for the rest of us. Because a lot of people are talking about how well oh, it's disingenuous. I think so. Things. Like what more do people? Unless have to he do? has him under his spell, like you know, like Austin <laughs> or, Powers, you must, you know. Uh, or he's got another OAN shirt underneath his other shirt, exactly. and he's gonna rip it off at the end, and it's gonna be like the NWO in wrestling. It turns out, Chuba oh my Hubbard, god, Chuba Hubbard owes nothing to Oklahoma State. He could simply just put his foot down, leave, never play there again, uh, ask for an exemption in the NFL. They'd give him one. You know, they're not messing around this time. They let him play. <laughs> In the NFL, he he'd didn't. sit out of here. But he didn't, and I think that's important. That everything was all right. That's what he said. But I, but I think that's that's progress. And sometimes progress is begrudging. And sometimes progress, like we talked about, compromise. Sometimes is like <laughs> like some other negotiations and things that go on. It's not always pretty. But you know what? Progress is not always canceling and firing everyone. Progress is also getting people to understand each other a little bit better. And me not leave the situation and you not leave the situation. Let's try to make the situation better between us because it's better for the whole. It's better for the university. It's better for NCAA football. It's better for the sport. It's better for the nation, for God's sakes. We need to do more of this. Less canceling. Let's educate. Let's come together and let's try to share the same space and and move on from it. I'm glad you said what you said. I agree wholeheartedly with your comments there. So good job by everybody. Again, is everything perfect now? But is it progress? I think so. All right. With that, we will take a brief time out. We have more baseball talk coming. What to do about your fantasy league team here with this shortened season in 2020. Uh, But also NASCAR rolls on coming up this weekend. Matt Sells is going to join us here on the show. And we have plenty to talk to uh, with Matt about who is going to win the cup, who is going to win the race coming up this Sunday, and also some really good DFS advice for those of you who are planning on playing the race at Talladega. So that's coming up right here on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 